welcome back to Homesteads and Homeschools. I am your host, still here with you, the Liberty Hippie, coasting you through episode number 105, which means the show notes you can find at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 105. My guest today is a farmer, uh, not like a, a homestead type farmer that has a uh, his market garden and, you know, canning all his, his beans. And he uh, grows pork. Um, on a fairly large scale. When I say fairly large scale, I mean large scale. Um, he's He's got some big stuff going on. But he came on today and we talked about all the things in sort of this industrial food market um, and all the things that kind of spill out of it and ways that we can can talk to people um, about that that topic. Because you know, I, I used to do a show with uh, Nick Picone over there at um, Peace Freaks. And uh, you know we used to get into things about like environmental aspects of things and, and how that is impacted by the government. And food is another big one, right? Um, food faces uh, huge regulations and huge government interference, and uh, people don't realize it. And so we, we had that conversation today for you all to check out. So without further ado, let's go plant those seeds of liberty with my guest, Mr. Kirk. This world is big and wild and half insane. Take me where real animals are playing Just a dirty old check With a hand of bark That we call down home I wanna be back there Among the cats and dogs And the pigs and the goats On animal farms My guest today is uh, Mr. Kurt He's uh he's out there doing some some farming. Uh, we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but um, just uh, some something to talk about. Um, I think he's got some stuff to share and some ideas to to uh, everybody can can glean something from. Maybe so. We'll we'll see. Kurt, thank you for uh, for giving me your time today. I, I do I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem, man. So um, kind of a, just a, a basic, um, you know, you're you're a hog farmer. Um, how, how many, do you go by heads and in, in, I know you do heads for cows or, or pigs heads as well or? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so we finish out, uh, cause I buy my pigs when they're 20 pounds now. And so I finish out, oh, 2,500 head myself. And then I farm with dad and he finishes out 5,000. So about 7,500 a year. So we're, we're decent sized. Yeah, I was going to say like, so the, what is, what does that mean? You know, like how, how big is that in the grand scale of things? Cause I mean, you know, well, we do all natural antibiotic free indoor outdoor access. So they're not in the confinement buildings. And so we're really big for that. We're probably the second biggest producers in the country that do it the way we do. But as far as like conventional, um, like confinement style, those guys will farm like 30,000 head a year would be a small one for that. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you say you get them on their, their 20 pounds. How, how old is that usually? That's five weeks old. I get them the day they're weaned. So, okay. Yep. All right. All right. So did you, uh, you're, you're working with dad there. Um, did he always do it the the sort of uh, natural antibiotic free uh, you know 
that route or was no, we, that something uh, that he took? Yeah, they call it all natural is kind of the best terminology. It's what uh, like Butcher Box, um, Chipotle, and Whole Foods, it's the meat that they sell. Um, but yeah, no, we used to raise conventional uh, in confinement buildings. At that time, we farrowed sows. And so we did the whole from breeding to finishing on our farm at that time. And then in the early 2000s, there was a hog market crisis. Uh, it hit eight cents a pound. And so uh, dad was going to go bankrupt and sell the farm. And he ended up switching over to this system where now I get paid based on the corn and soybean meal price market. So basically my margins stay the same no matter what, so long as I keep my death loss low. So okay. it's a stable market. Interesting. So you say there was, when was that, the, the crisis? Yeah, I think it was like early 2000s. Um, I think two th- the year 2000, if I remember right. Yeah, I feel like that everything kind of right around in there. Or I was born in something. 97. So that was a little too, I was a little too young at that point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so you saying you're getting, it was, it was eight cents a pound. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by eight? that? That can't be right. Right. What does that mean? Yeah, they were. Um, and that's what, there was a lot of guys who ended up just putting down their pigs because they, it costs more money to feed them than they were going to possibly make. So you might as well just stop the loss that day. Uh, luckily, dad, he just stopped feeding them protein and he was able to wait out the market till it bounced back up. But yeah, that it was, Yeah, I just sold a boar last month that made it through the cracks and I got nine cents a pound and yeah, I lost a lot of money on that pig. So how... Is that is that live weight? No, I think that's typically carcass weight. Like I said, I don't sell my pigs that way anymore, so it's hard for me to remember. But yeah, I think that's hanging weight. Okay, it's wild, right? Because like you go to the store and it's you're getting you know a dollar ninety nine on sale. Um, it, it's it's crazy. Where how does do you do you have any idea how that happens? Like where that markup comes from or how? Um, Typically, it comes from just the plants, especially it's especially bad in the uh, um, cattle industry. They're getting there's only four major packers for cattle and pigs aren't that much better. But like this spring, cattle farmers were averaging, I think, um, eight dollars a head profit. Wow. While the packer was averaging seven hundred. And so they there was like a big lawsuit with the cattle industry and I don't know that much about it, but um, yeah, that's what the cattle industry desperately needs change with it. Something like a Massey's prime act would have been really good for them, but yeah, well, <laughs> not always how things work. No. Um, so is it, you said there's like four major, major packers there. Um, is that the same kind of for on the pork side of things? You guys have like a, a limited number of, of packing facilities or? Uh, yeah, it's getting better with niche market. Like mine is a small packer. And so they only, um, they don't, they're not a very big packer at all comparatively. And so there's a little bit more competition with hogs than with beef. Gotcha. And what do you, do you know, 
like why is there a, a, a dearth of these facilities that would that would that do this like why why is it so few uh mostly because the regulation is insane um if you run the numbers on how much it costs to get just a small time packing house just for your small community it's going to be a million dollars automatically to be able to pass usda wow. inspections there's guys who have started doing uh old refrigerated trailers and you can, um, for a hundred grand, I think you can order one of those made, but then you're going to be doing a very limited amount of beef a week. Um, but if you wanted any kind of an operation, yeah, a million off the top. And so it's just in the, the packers, then they have a lot of sway with the USDA and all that. So, and and that's, that's kind of what I figured, but I wasn't sure. I mean, it, yeah. It makes sense in the way that things typically work. Yeah. Yeah. It all started with Upton Sinclair and here we are. <laughs> and and nobody, nobody draws that connection either, even in ag. And it's so infuriating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, one of my, my, my friends, uh, Nick, Nicky there, Nick Cohn, we used to do free market screen earth together. He had pointed out to me that, um, that, uh, it was a work of fiction. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that until like later in life. Like when when I was reading that book in in I forget whether I think it was college. Um, it's it's not presented as a work of fiction. It's presented as like this is this is real life. This and it's like I, I don't know. It just it's uh, pretty standard, I guess. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you tell people that, like uh, I know Mal- Michael Malice talks about how Upton Sinclair never even went inside a packing house. And I've told people that recently, and they can't believe it. It just blows their mind. Yep. Oh man. Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so you wonder what what things we'll, we're we're doing now that they'll look back on in, in fifty years and just take it as truth. And it's just you know. But yeah, I made that point the other day. I said, uh, just think about how much propaganda our kids are going to be taught in school about coronavirus. Because only one team is going to write that that history book, and then think those same exact liars wrote our history books. Yep, I've 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 seen some of it. Our two youngest are in public school, and um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Georgia, so it's not like too bad. But they're still bringing home, you know, little little coloring books. What's healthy? What's not healthy? Stay away. You know, play in small groups. Wear your mask. Like, oh gosh, man, it's just. Ah, yeah, but. That's what I was pulled out of school pretty young and I was homeschooled. So I got to miss at least most of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Our, our older two are, are homeschooled and we'll pull the younger ones out as they yeah. mature a little bit. Cause there's some, some stuff there, but, um, it's definitely, it's crazy, but, uh, all right. So I'm interrupting the show today. It's gotta be important. Trust me. It is. I'm up here every week speaking freely encouraging you all to express all yourself, having mind-changing conversations, planting little rebellion seeds that will grow to giant pumpkins of persuasion. Why? Why? Why am I up here? Because I love to run my mouth. Because I believe in free, uncensored speech. That's why. Because without the innate right to speak my mind and gather at will, the ability to communicate and exchange ideas disappears. 
And I can't think of a better way to exchange these ideas than over a delicious cup of coffee with the people that matter most. So together with John Odermatt over at Finding Freedom, we've teamed up to create Run Your Mouth Coffee to bring you the tantalizing coffee you need to get the uncensored speech flowing. Check us out at rymcoffee.com and use promo code HOMESTEAD to get 10% off your first order. That's rymcoffee.com, promo code HOMESTEAD. You were just a, a, a squirt when uh, when your dad moved over to, to the natural side of things. Yeah, that would have been in like 2005 we switched over, I think, because it took a long time to get the buildings converted over and you know we had to fill in our manure pits and cut doors into all the buildings and stuff so all right and and so that i guess that that was a, a process then were were there a lot of people doing that at, at that time i feel like it, it's big now but i feel like it was probably unheard of um oh, no. that long yeah, ago people were making fun of us in the area and kind of saying that it was pretty stupid for dad to be <laughs> dumping money into a dying industry just about and and it's kind of one of those things that it's uh, bringing back out of a free market into agriculture that they've been missing is now the small guys are able to compete against the big guys. I'm not having to worry about, um, you know, a major corporation moving in and, you know, so I'm able to, and it affects our crop production as well. We farm 350 acres and so we're able to play a little bit above our weight as far as bidding arms goes and as far as goes just because this niche market is allowing us to make money on a small farm so that's you do you run your pigs on on 350 acres are you doing like uh corn crop crops as well okay yeah yeah we're continuous corn so what does that mean continuous corn um just kind of an odd thing because most guys they rotate corn and soybeans just because the nitrogen it we're kind of losing a lot of money doing corn every year because then we have to put on more anhydrous, but uh, we need all the bedding for our pigs. And so we need, we would need a couple hundred more acres for us to be able to rotate. So the, the natural side of things, um, when did you get involved? Uh, I got out of the army in 2018. So about right after that, then like, I came back and put up three more hoop buildings and started. Have you seen it change just in terms of either what, what counts as natural or what's defined as natural or um, different practices that, that um, have come into. Yeah, there's not, there's a lot of play where um, people will call their pork all natural and it's not. And so it's important to look for like a third party authentication Um stamp like ours gets we get inspected by certified humane and so then that's a third-party company that comes in and i get audited every year they have to look at all my buildings and all my records to make sure that i'm actually playing ball but there are guys there are big companies that will just put all natural on it but they don't put any sort of authentication on there so it doesn't interesting it's kind of false advertising, but it's not. Does it, and does that, would that stand up at all? I mean, like if somebody called them on it, would it, could anybody do anything? Yeah, I would, I think it would just because of how ag works. And I don't, 
I don't think there's any legally de- legal definition behind what all natural is. So really, it's just residing on that stamp. Gotcha. Interesting. Are are there other um, third parties out there that that uh, verify? Yeah, I'm not familiar with any of them. I just know ours, but I know there are several of them, and that's that's one thing that I do like to preach to people is. Uh, you know, when I talk about deregulating agriculture and especially the meat packing industry, I point out, you know, well, I'm already abiding by stricter standards than humane standards because a third party private business is holding me accountable to the, you know, the market. And so it's just a good way to show that free markets do regulate themselves. Yeah, it's... um. It is. It's one of those things. You, we always, you know, you, you hear about it, right? Like, well, you got to have somebody regulate medicine. You got to have somebody do this, do that. And, and really these like kind of third party entities that could do that, you know, yeah. if I wanted to learn about, you know, your, wh- whoever it is, their humane, wh- whatever you call them, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I wanted to learn, about it, I'm sure they have a, a website and a definition and I can see what it is that, you know, what does this stamp actually mean? Um, yeah. So it's a, uh, have you, have you run into much of like when you're dealing with other farmers and stuff, are they on board with some of that? Or are they kind of, I don't know, where are they in terms of, you know, deregulating things or, or having sort of uh, somebody else verify things outside of, I don't know, USDA or whatever? Um, well, a lot of farmers really don't like what I do. Um, so that's why I kind of <laughs> try to keep that part hidden when I'm on Twitter and stirring other stuff up. But yeah, because like Chipotle, they ran a big anti-confinement uh, farming ads back in the day. And so farmers take publicity really hard, any bad publicity. And so they really don't like Nyman, who I sell to, mostly just because it really? talks smack about conventional farming and that's heresy. So you're it, it's kind of like a little Gestapo that farmers have where you're never allowed to, you know, say, well, I don't, I think that this farming practice is bad. It, it's uh, it, that's interesting. Um, Cause I can totally see how that could happen. Yeah. Right. It, it makes sense. Right. Well, and it's like, even in uh during the 2009 swine flu, there was a hog market crash because people were scared to eat pork because of the name of the H1N1. And so that's how uh, easily affected ag markets are. And so they are really just, they you don't dare say anything bad about it. Oh, man. Yeah. Think about that, right? So somebody says there's E. coli on the lettuce and nobody eat, eats lettuce for like three weeks. It's like, man, yep. <laughs> guys, come on. This is, you know. <sighs> All right. So you, um, are there other like natural far like, people that farm like that like around you or is it do you yeah i i talked one buddy into doing it and uh it's especially lucrative for young guys to start doing this so a lot of my younger friends my age are because there's no way for a kid to just start out farming anymore unless you've got a lot of daddy's money um and so it's about the lowest number dollar number of an investment you have to make doing what I'm doing for the fastest turnaround and a good return on investment. And so it's kind of a good stepping stone for other avenues. So is it just the, um, 
that you can turn around and, and, and sell it for, for more? Or is there something else to it that, that is, makes it more lucrative, um, to, or easier for, for people starting out? Well, pigs just don't have a huge investment cost comparatively as far as buildings. You don't have a terrible investment or machinery and uh, land use for it. And typically like with hog farming, you can work out pretty sweet deals on uh, you could get somebody to deed you the one acre you need for your building site. If you'll exchange the manure from that building site to that farmer. So there's, that's a fairly common deal to make. Interesting. I, I never, never thought about that. Yep. Yeah. I've heard of a lot of guys doing that. And there's guys who they put up hog buildings just for the manure. That's how much manure is worth. So that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, and, and it makes sense. I just, who would think right, that, that the, the refuse would be just as valuable as well, anything That's else. one thing that, um, and I don't have a lot of beef with vegans, but that's one thing that a lot of them miss is, that you need manure to fertilize the plants. So if we do away with industrial farming, then that's going to be another hurdle for us to jump because that's, yeah, that's not an easy problem there. It, it's uh, that's one of those things. It's, it's um, not unseen because people, people see it, but it's like they're in the, the background, right? All these, these, we can make this rule. We can make these regulations and you don't think about all the things down the road that this is going to affect. Oh them. yeah. I didn't, didn't, uh, I didn't think about that. Um, I suppose you could use like synthetic stuff, but I, I don't see, um, yeah, I don't see that, that, uh, contingency embracing Monsanto with, with open arms <laughs> could be wrong. I don't know. But, uh, so one of the things, um, on your, on your Twitter there, you had the, the, the far market thing, you know, you talk to, to farmers about sort of kind of, you know, uh, liberty-based ideas of things of kind of free markets and, and kind of deregulation and that, that side of things. Um, how does that, how does that work in the farm world of things? Uh, it's really tricky because every, the one good thing about farmers is every farmer farmer is economically literate um, just because every farmer has to be their own marketer. And you have to at least understand market functions. And a majority of farmers, like 99%, are uh, openly capitalist. They truly believe in capitalism. And it's infuriating because all of them will tell you all day long about how we can't socialize healthcare for all of the reasons that you and I would state. And then you ask them, well, why can't we do that with farming? And it, it blows their mind. They can't, they can't process that or they'll just say, well, it'll never happen. Or they, a lot of it is the monopolization factor. And that's one thing I really try to harp on in there is there has never been a free market monopoly and they just, you can get them at least 90% there. And yeah. Um, yeah, but people really take the subsidies hard when you start hitting on them with that. And yeah. So, and, and I, I, yeah, I'm under the understanding, right. When I, I don't know much about, you know, conventional farming and, and the nitty gritty of it, but um, how do you know, like number wise, like are, how many farms are on government money, 
right? Like I, I assume it's, you got it at that price at eight cents a pound at whatever, you know, yeah. you, at, at low ball, you, you've got to be getting help from somewhere. Oh yeah. Is that like uh, a majority of, like this past year, uh, 40% of farm income came from subsidies. And like this year alone, I know just me, I got $70,000 in subsidies and that's a small number compared to the big guys. And so, yeah, that's, it's absolute <laughs> socialism with farming. <laughs> and then it's especially frustrating and they publish who gets subsidies and how much they get every year. And so then I'll post something about being against subsidies and here comes all of them just copy and paste. I hope you don't take subsidies. Well, I'm against subsidies because I believe in capitalism. I know I yeah. have to take them because I understand capitalism. I can't I can't just put myself $70,000 short of my neighbor when we're in competition with each other. He's getting that money either way. No, I, I, I yeah. And I, you got to imagine like telling people that, you know, like you, you got to, you, I don't know. It would be a very difficult conversation, I, I, I imagine. Um, and, and farmers are either one end of the spectrum or the opposite. They either believe that we need to completely abolish subsidies, which is pretty common with farmers, or they're completely, we need, need to be 100% subsidies, it seems like. They just cannot imagine. Yeah. It's got to be a scary thing, right? Like Because, I mean, you've, you've seen it and, and you've branched out and gone a different way because, you know, you guys recognize that this old method, um, is flooded and oh yeah, I, I can't do it. You know, you just can't do it anymore. I mean, if you cut, if you cut subsidies, goodness, the, uh, the amount of people that have to find something else or, or move into, you know, these sort of other kind of niche markets, um, you know, it's, it's wild. Yeah. And that's what there, we need a market correction bad in agriculture and we need to let the market function. There are people who have been farming for 20 years who should have gone out of business 20 years ago. And that's what that eight cents a pound was, was that meant guys who aren't efficient need to either become efficient or find another business to be in. And that's not something easy to tell somebody, but then again, you know, we're, we're tasked with feeding the world. And so that that's more important to me than whether you're, fifth generation farm lives on another generation. And I'm, you know, it's hard to say that without sounding like an ass, but it's, um, it is, but it's tough, you know, like unions, teachers unions, you know, like as far as I'm concerned, they, they do a great job at keeping crappy teachers employed. Right. And, and who does that hurt in the end? And, and farm subsidies are, are sort of kind of the same way. They keep the bad farmer in and it, it doesn't let, new people come in that might have a new idea, a new lens and, and do something unique and, and work or, you know, it, it just, it gets in the way of things and, and really kind of buggers things up. But um, have you found any, anything that um, really kind of works in terms of getting those conversations going or, or making them a little more fruitful than they otherwise could be? Um, mostly I just, like I said earlier, I ask the person to explain to me why socialized medicine doesn't work. And then basically then we can come to a point of agreement on that nine times out of 10. And then I just mostly 
try to quote Murray Rothbard in the progressive era as best as I can. I mean, he had the best, <laughs> the absolute best. It's hard to read that book and not be completely mind blown about agriculture. And so that's the, I, a lot of people and a lot of farmers, they have way too short of a memory on the subject. And so they only look back to the 1980s, which in the 1980s, we had a horrible uh, ag market crash that came from uh, the Federal Reserve artificially inflating, you know, the ag economy in the 1970s. And we had a huge boom economy. And then in the 1980s, uh, a couple of big contracts overseas got cut, et cetera. And I want to say one in seven farms went bankrupt. And that's when you started to see, um, you'll see pictures of land auctions where farmers would refuse to bid on land. And that's where we got in a majority of the new subsidies that we have. And so farmers, they look back on that and they think, well, that must have been the free market. And so then I say, no, we have to go back, you know, 70 years before that. And that's where we messed up. We needed a decentralized ag economy. And so once you start talking about decentralization, you can at least convince people of your argument and they actually start to listen. They just, then it comes down to, they say, well, that will never happen. And most of the time people will agree with me at that point. It's just, they think, they think, well, no, that these, these big guys, they won't ever let that happen. And I don't know, that's not a good enough reason for me not to, to quit fighting for it, you know? Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta keep, keep trying a little by little. And I think it's, you know, one, one domino at a time and who knows, who knows, but, um, any, anything else I know, um, anything people that, um, I don't know. Do you have any, any ideas for like people that aren't involved in, um, sort of the larger side of, of farming to, I don't know necessarily the word help, but to, to kind of, I guess help fix, fix the sort of system that is, is there anything people on the outside can do? Um, mostly just fight for good people in Congress, I guess, you know, like Thomas Massey's (laughs) prime act, like I said, was amazing. That was the perfect bill to introduce and we got to keep getting guys in there and keep pushing you know i've been i'm getting ready to buy a bunch of copies of marie rothbard's the progressive era and just start giving them out just start <laughs> getting the propaganda flowing i guess and ag it's kind of a weird one because not many people think about the ag economy or how regulated it is and and yet that's one of the biggest effects on everyday, everybody's lives. And so part of it is to just getting people to care, just start telling people, you know, hey, it's pretty ridiculous what's happening to beef farmers right now. Um, and you just type, type in beef market collusion and you'll get all kinds of articles about what's going on with the major packers. It's crazy. You know, like you eat. Like you just said, right? Like this, this impacts everyone, every, every single person, like that, it doesn't matter who you are or what you eat, like it impacts you like beyond anything. And nobody, nobody thinks twice about it. Nobody knows anything about it. You know. And, um, and if you ask anybody from at least a small town about their grandparents, everybody had a space that they paid for at their local meat locker and everybody went 
and they bought a half of beef from the farmer down the road and they had that hanging up and stored in the meat locker in their small town and that's where they went and got their meat for the week and um you know our our ag economy used to be so decentralized and so and then there was also that connection that farm to plate connection where people actually network directly with the farmer and yeah um i think we miss that a lot and it gives you a lot of it does it when you have that connection it gives you so much more buy-in like with, with everything that's happening, you oh, know, yeah. you're, you're, if you got a business, I'm, I'm concerned because that's, that's the guy I get my, my <laughs> cows from. That's the guy I get my pork from. Like that's, I, you know, not just, uh, you know, on this styrofoam platter at Kroger that, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And anybody listening, reach out to small farmers that are, you know, doing farming the way that you like and especially pig farmers you can get pretty sweet deals on pork if you know one go and talk to them and uh you can get you know we have pigs all the time that we can't sell that um either we have to butcher for people we know or whatever a belly bus so you can make a sweet deal on that and farmers are always looking for ways to make money cash so yeah. <laughs> Can you, can you sell, um, pigs on your, on your own? It's well, so I, I can sell you the live pig and then I can shoot it and then you have to take it home and butcher it yourself. And that's legal. But if I help with the butchering process at all, then it's illegal. And and so that's, it's so ridiculous. And like, I've been butchering. I butchered five pigs this year. I'm getting ready to butcher one of my calves uh, tomorrow. And my family's been butchering our own meat for a hundred years, 200, however long. Nobody has ever gotten sick. And I give yeah. meat away to all my friends. Nobody has ever gotten sick. And we use the most primitive equipment in our dirty shop. And <laughs> people still are just terrified that without the government there, everybody would be dropping dead for meat. That's one thing I like to ask people because they say, well, if we unregulated meat, then all these big companies would just start poisoning their customers because there's no regulation. I'm, that doesn't sound like a good business plan. I don't think you're going to get repeat customers. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Oh man. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's something. Yep. But I do think that, um, agriculture and that's one thing i'm trying to lead the move on like i'm in a group chat with 20 different farmers my age who are all anarchists as well and actually all of agriculture is very libertarian to begin with just because a part of the job is tax evasion basically you can't you can't farm unless you're doing a lot have a very good uh accountant and so then there's so much of that and we do see free, we operate a lot of the time in a free market. And so farmers do are typically more liberty minded. They all own their own property. They all are good second amendment. So I'm truly trying to lead the charge and trying to get agriculture um, more libertarian, more free market. Cause that's where a lot of this, I mean, the reason why we have subsidies came from Nixon in the 1980s because Iowa has the first caucus. And he said, I don't want us to ever lose Iowa again. Um, <laughs> and so 
we do have a lot of pull, even though it's a small, we're only 1% of the country. Farmers do have a lot of pull and politically. Yep. Well, and it is, I, I think, um, there's just something about, you know, growing food and, and doing that. That is, there's something about it. that's just, I don't know. Well, that's what I, I think when I, when I got out of the army, everyone said I was crazy for wanting to farm and, I just explained it. I don't know if you've seen The Gambler with Mark Wahlberg, the movie. Um, in there, he has this spiel about how he wants to make enough money that he's got screw you money, where you have enough money in the bank, you can tell anyone screw you. Well, I kind of explained it that farming, it's screw you freedom because I don't have a boss. I'm selling straight to the market. So I'm uncancelable. I'm Nobody can tell me what to do, what time to wake up or anything. So I got screw you freedom. And that's kind yeah. of what led me down the <laughs> rabbit hole was I realized how much I do love freedom. And, and and at the end of the day, you have, you have food. Yeah, exactly. You have food. You know, if somebody really wants to put the screws on you, guess what? Like I can still feed myself and, and that's, you know. We've got three, four freezers full of meat from ourselves and just that level of security, even if, you know hit the fan tomorrow well we've got months of food here that we can and we're self-sustained already you know we have generators we have all the stuff here just from farming being the nature of the beast that we're already self-sufficient in a way which is nice yeah all right man i don't i don't want to keep you all night um but uh, yeah, tell I, I don't know. Tell tell people where we can find you. If I, I know you, I don't know where you where you sell your meat or, or what. But uh, where where can people go to find you and, and anything about you or whatever? Oh yeah, you want to share? I mostly <laughs> just uh, post on Twitter at Four Finger Death Punch. Um, that's because I lost a finger in a farming accident, so that's my <laughs> little. But uh, I'm farmarkist on there, um, and that's really the only social media I really use. Um, and then if you want to try some of my meat, you can do it. I think Amazon now has Amazon fresh. They carry Nyman ranch pork, um, or butcher box or whole foods. They all carry Nyman ranch. I'm warning you though. It's not cheap meat. I mean, I, we get paid good money for a reason on these pigs, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more work. Oh, it's, yeah. A lot more goes into it. You know, you can't just keep it in a box and, you know, you need more space. And it's just a lot more goes into it. And that's, you know, yeah, subsidies go away. Um, price of food is going to go up and it's going to suck. But like it, it balances out. And like, you know, I need to know that my loaf of bread should not cost 99 cents. Like there's no way that that should happen. Um, you know, and then maybe, you know. Well, and that's the thing too. A lot of people fear the rising costs of uh, food and that's partially because they haven't seen the inflation um, from subsidies. And this is something common that like people are talking about minimum wage now. Well, uh, inflation isn't always felt in the rising of prices, but it's also felt in preventing prices from falling. And so uh, if we were due for a market correction this year in agriculture, well, it, our prices could stay the same. But if we don't go through that correction, then that's a form of inflation still. And a lot of people don't think about that. And so, uh, but yeah, then our pork's just also more expensive because of the genetics. They're very big on the meat quality. And so it's going to be a more red pork than you're used to tasting. 
Um, you really yes. taste it in the bacon and the hams. Um, and it's just a fattier pig. So yeah. What kind of pigs do you raise? Uh, mine are kind of mutts. I can see a lot of duroc and hamp in them. And, uh, they kind of look like an old odd breed called Landry from the eighties. Um, I'm not exactly sure what, what particularly they are, but kind of a mix. They call them heritage breed pork though, is the line of genetics we get it out of. And so they're, they're kind of an odd, like all my buddies who are pig farmers, they tell me they're the ugliest pigs they've seen, but they, uh, <laughs> that's just because the modern genetics and conventional pork, it's bred to put on the most amount of meat as fast as possible. So it's a very lean, uh, very white meat from the USDA's propaganda campaign when they were pushing white meat was good for you, so pork's good for you. And so that's what pork's supposed to be, a darker red meat. And we're used to seeing it be white because of that marketing campaign, which is something. Another thing the government screwed Imagine up. Imagine that. Yep. Oh, man. It, it goes some, so deep. Get some American cheese to put on my, my white pork chop. Oh, yeah. It goes so deep. when I And it's so frustrating, too, because when I talk about ending subsidies, people take that. At, on its face as just ending subsidies and i'm like you got to look at the whole picture if we got government out of agriculture and you know that's what these packers fe- fear is deregulation they love the regulation they've gotten big from it and uh so what if we broke those up and that allowed pack farmers to make more money what if that big farmer who's you know farming ten thousand acres now thanks to subsidies what if this year when corn goes back down to $2 and he's way over leveraged, well, he's going to go out of business. Well, then there's 10,000 acres on uh, the local economy that, that us young guys would have a chance at. And because that's the other thing farmers don't get is they think with subsidies are what's helping young and small guys like me get into the business. But I always point out to them, well, subsidies keep increasing and so does the average age and the average size of farms. So that doesn't mm-hmm. really bear out that it's helping the young and small guys. Right. Yeah. I, I forget where I, I remember seeing something one time about like, like subsidies and, and who they went to and like, you know, the top, top five or whatever. And it's just like, like really like that, that company, that whoever it's making like that much money it's just they're that size like they're getting more money for it like it's wild oh, but. like my senator chuck grassley i think he's a senator um but he's a big up there with the subsidies in washington and he still farms and yeah. he gets his <laughs> of course two hundred thousand dollars subsidy check mailed to washington dc which boy if that's not a conflict of interest right there oh man oh man yeah that that's pretty frustrating that's that's hilarious that's funny that's funny yeah and then that's why they all walk out of congress 15 years later millionaires right they game the crap out of that system but yep anyway man i i appreciate it and um i don't know maybe maybe i have to get you on sometime in the future talk about your your homeschool career why why not but uh yeah yeah, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll set it up and get you get you back here. But uh, man, I, I appreciate your uh, your time tonight, and uh, wish you wish you luck with everything and your 
your farm there and getting getting the ideas out there to, to the people that need to, need to hear them. So. Yeah, thank you. guys that was fun huh so much stuff there you know you never never really you don't know, realize it until you actually sit down and and think about it and thinking about it is not something that people do regularly right it uh it just isn't just isn't i hope it made you guys think and i hope it it uh, gives you some some things to build conversations around cuz those are are big things to to talk about um bedrock type things i think every everybody has to find food somehow um and to to have that conversation is a, is a good one to have anyway thank you guys for showing up um if you haven't left a review go leave a review if you haven't checked out the new coffee run your mouth coffee that little ad you heard in the middle this week and last week go go and check that out rymcoffee.com what else have i got for you um homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash amazon I think I've told you guys every episode of all the things that I've remembered to do through every episode. It's been to tell you that. Go there, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon, and uh, buy your Amazon junk through there. And I get pennies, 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 pennies. But hey, you know, but hey, you're going you're gonna to buy stuff there anyway. You might as well, uh, you know, take, take some of their profits away and give them to somebody else, right? <laughs> anyway, guys. Um, yeah, I think that's that's it for today. Another episode next Tuesday, and uh, we'll see. It may be an interview. It may just be me rambling. I don't know. It's been a busy, busy, busy month, I tell you. Busy month. And I may may get into that. Yeah, and uh, also, I've, I've um, started uploading some videos onto uh, the YouTube, but more particularly onto Odyssey. Go check that out. Those links uh, will be in the show notes. Um, you get an idea of some of the things happening around here. And you get to see my pretty face. Because who doesn't want to see that? Anyway, guys, that's all for this week. Remember, get out there, sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. I'm going to ride us his dream. I'm going to ride us his dream.